0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Denise Moore. Wow! Praise God. <laughs> I, I I just feel that there was such a shift in the room as we were worshiping today, and as Pete asked um, if people were were feeling and, and declaring that they were healed. I mean, just put your hand up right now if you feel that God's been healing you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, lots of hands are going up here. And, and God doesn't stop you. He, he's going to be continuing that now as I speak. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I praise you. We worship you. And we give you thanks. We give you thanks that, that your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we've recently been having some creative days of prayer and fasting here at Kingdom Faith Yorkshire, for those who don't know or those who are visitors, and we call them Days of Favor, and we take this time at the beginning of our church year to really seek God and his vision and his plan for us, and Claire summed up really well a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of the key points that she raised were that... um, They were, those days of favour were a steady build and it was a time of taking and protecting ground and building the walls of community. And she felt that we were walking that path already and we're walking that path in what God is saying and it's a continuation of what we have been doing Um, but we have turned a new page and that we need to pray that now into being. And so, in respect of continuing what has been, I was considering how God has already been raising us up as a family. So those are things like our welcome, our discover courses, our prayer room, our house churches, and of course the new step into the encounter discipleship course. And all of these things, they're really great in their own right, Um, but I believe God is pulling them together now. I think that that he's pulling them together in unity. And so I was wondering what our part is to play in that and how we can use the tools and the gifts that we've been given to become really effective frontline disciples Uh, to really live out what Pastor Paul's been hearing for us, which is a missional army in the community. Um, But what does that mean to be a frontliner? And what do we need to change to be a frontliner? And those are my key questions today. And so I want to share with you part of my testimony of my days of favour, and what God was speaking to me about during those days, and what that might mean to all of us. And so, um, first of all, it started actually at last year's, last year's for me, and he spoke to me a lot through Ezekiel 47. And I believe then that he was building on it for me through Luke 5, um, after that this year. And uh, for those that don't know, we had a real boat Uh, in the prayer room, which was a heavy, real boat. Um, And we were focusing on Jesus and being uh, fishers, fishers of men, uh, which is in Luke 5. But um, rewinding a little bit to Ezekiel 47 then, so how how I feel that he's based this in my life. Um, I'm going to read it to you. And it's from verse 8 to 9. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there And makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Amen. Amen. And from this, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of the fresh water from God's temple. And it was going into the sea in Scarborough. And in the sea, I could see so many dead things. I could see spiritually dead people. I saw dead marriages, I saw dead relationships, and I saw dead communities. But then I could see the water, the river of life, that's God in his presence, the Holy Spirit flowing and being available to everyone. And I saw that everyone could access that river, so that's us, all our friends, all of the people that we know. And those people who are thirsty, everyone who is thirsty in our community, they can have access. And that means that wherever that river goes, everywhere we go, we bring life and it brings change and it brings freedom and it brings breakthrough. Amen? So God promises that he's going to bring life to where there is no life. And Ezekiel 47 in verse 8, it describes this fresh river flowing into the Dead Sea. And it actually removes the salt from the sea. Not the sea, with all its salt affecting the river. But it's the other way around, which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah? I mean, in life, we sometimes think that, that, that we can be influenced by the outside world. But no, not in God's world. We're the, we're the influencers. And so, so what that means for Scarborough and the surrounding area is that actually it's us as Christ-filled frontliners to effect that change. It's, we have to take Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection to bring real life to those people who don't know God yet, that they don't know about Jesus and they don't know about His power and the love of God. And Jesus promised that actually it would be us. We're the ones that are going to change. That we're going to be the ones that change these people and change opinions. And we're going to be the ones who bring the fresh water to the safest places, to the saltiest places. Come on. Yeah? The most hard-to-reach communities. We're going to be the carriers of that flow of living water. So that's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. And it starts with us. It's what we believe, and it's what we're connected to. And then in discipleship and in relation to each other, we can learn how to do it. We can learn how to live it out, and we can learn how to put that into action. And so that's Ezekiel, but I want to move on now to Luke, Luke 5. And if you've got your Bibles and you want to... um, follow it along. It's verses 5 to 11. On one occasion, Jesus was standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and the people were pressing close to him to hear God's word. He noticed two boats left at the water's edge, by the fishermen who were cleaning their nets. He boarded the boat belonging to Simon and asked him to push away from the shore. Then Jesus taught the people as he sat in the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he told Simon, row out into deeper water and cast your nets for a catch. Master, Simon answered, we've worked hard all night without catching anything. But I will let down the nets again, only because you say so. Having done so, the catch was so great that the nets were in in danger of tearing. So they called to their partners in the other boat to come to their aid. And when they did, they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Seeing this, Simon Peter fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Please forgive me, Lord, for I am such a sinner. He and all his crew were amazed at the size of the catch, as were his partners, James and John, the sons of of Zebedee. Then Jesus replied to Simon, there is nothing to fear. In the future, you will be catching men. So they beached their boats, left everything, and they followed Jesus. And in Matthew's version of this, Jesus actually says, come, follow me. So this was Jesus' calling to his first disciples, and he was highly invitational. Come, follow me. And it was actually a, a great honor to be allowed to follow a rabbi and to be his disciple. It was actually one of the highest things that you could do in that society. And so it is helpful to understand that a disciple is someone who becomes very much like his teacher. And so where, where I work in Manchester, um, our finance officer, Elaine, she's got an apprentice and her name's Bonnie. And Bonnie learns from Elaine and she prepares accounts exactly the way Elaine does. She even speaks the way Elaine does as she goes on into her third year. You see, when you follow somebody around and you're learning a trade, you don't just learn how to create spreadsheets, but you also pick up their habits and the finer details. And so Bonnie, as an apprentice, is calculating just the way her teacher calculated. And she's even learned to do Excel the way Elaine did And she words her emails just the same way as Elaine does. And so when we look at the story of Jesus calling his first group of disciples, we need to see that that is the way that Jesus did it. It's important to see these things because you see in the call of Peter is actually our call as well. And when Jesus called his disciples, he was highly invitational, just like we've just read, come, follow me. But he was actually highly challenging as well, as we will see in a few chapters uh, a little later. So in a church setting, invitation is the welcome, it's the atmosphere that we provide. So do people enjoy being here? Do they want to come back? Yeah, is it inviting? And is the message encouraging and helpful? You see, when the, when the welcome is good, then you feel really at home, and you feel really accepted, and you feel secure. We're really encouraged. There's lots of great support. But when we have little invitation, when we have a little welcome, that's when... People don't get any feedback. That's where there's very little and there's no encouragement. And so Luke 5 tells us that Jesus approaches Peter and he draws Peter to himself. Jesus took Peter from being a fisher of fish to being a fisher of men. You see, Jesus had something far greater in mind for Peter and his life is chosen. It's called to do God's work, and it's the same for you. You're picked out to fulfill your call on the plans and purposes of God. And often it's as simple as this, to follow and look like Jesus, and to show him to other people. But let's see how challenging Jesus was in uh, Luke 9, where he addressed the cost of following him. You see, challenge is how people are encouraged to grow in their walk with Jesus. So, are they challenged? Are they held accountable? Are personal disciplines encouraged? Are sins exposed and worked on together? You see, if challenge is low, then it actually doesn't really matter what you do with your life. There's no expectation of change. That's good. It's fine, you can just do whatever you like. Whereas when we find that the challenge is high, then there's a high expectation that you're going to change and you're going to come and become and look like Jesus. And we're going to be accountable to each other so let's have a look at that in action Um, Gemma preached on Luke 9 57 a while ago and I would really encourage you to listen to that uh, pod again it's it's very encouraging and I'm I'm building on that really and uh, what we're going to hear is Jesus' response uh, in a very different way to the one we just heard in Luke 5 so in your books then we're going to Luke 9 57 to 62. And I'm going to put it into chunks for you. But before we do that, to help you really understand this, there's an innermost core of disciples. We've got Peter, James, and John. And Jesus held them really close. Around them, there was a a more extensive group of men and women, and they gave up their regular lives and they joined him on their missional journeys. They were itinerant, so that that meant that they moved from place to place. But their lifestyle was quite strenuous, and, and sometimes it had a degree of homelessness because they were moving and they were on the road. And then there were the disciples who remained in their own homes, their towns and their villages. And they acted like a support system for the ones, for the disciples that were going out, and they, for those traveling workers. And so that's the way it worked in those two sort of main ways. And so in this passage we're about to read, we're introduced to three men. And they wanted to move from the settled group to the itinerants to to move around with Jesus. But Jesus had no intention of making that easy for them, as you will see. In effect, he actually tried to put them off because he knew that they would find it hard. And so his challenging questions, they were intended to dig deeper because he wanted to go deeper than the surface of that enthusiasm, because he wanted to know how much they really wanted it. So, verse 57. On the way, a man approached Jesus and said, I am ready to follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes live in holes and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no permanent dwelling place. Effectively, Jesus is saying, you'll not be comfortable if you follow after me. Get ready to leave behind all your comfort zones. You can't hide in the foxhole of your personality type. Sorry, God's mission is for everyone. My work, my, my agenda is far more important than if you're feeling a bit introvert today. Or do you need to pipe down a bit because you're extrovert and you need to learn to listen? You can't hide out in the comfort of your comfort zones. You can't remain cozy in your role within the church. If I call you to do something different, you have to do what's right. You have to follow me. And it might be that Jesus challenges you to give things up, to lay things down, so that he can give you better things. And so reading on 59, verse 59, to another man Jesus said, follow me. But the man answered, Lord, I must go first and bury my father. Jesus told him, leave the dead to bury those who are dead. You are to go and preach about God's kingdom. And so the second one here involves the obligation to bury the dead. And in the culture at that time, burial was a two-stage process. So you had the initial burial of the body, and then about a year later, you went and you interred the bones. And so this man is told that his commitment to Christ takes priority even over this. So what Jesus is effectively saying to this man is that, hey, I'm going to give you new priorities, urgent mission priorities. So this man was probably in the middle of this obligation and he knew that he couldn't immediately follow Jesus because he had to bury the bones of his ancestor. And he was held by this custom This tradition but Jesus is effectively saying hey it's a human custom you're following it's not as important as my plan and purpose for the earth follow me now it's urgent stop messing around with tradition and things that don't really matter he's saying I'm calling you to do something greater that would honor your family even more And then yet another man said, I want to follow you, Lord, but allow me first to go and say farewell to my family. Jesus said, Once a person has begun to plough, he must not look back. Such a one is not fit for service in the God's kingdom. Ouch. The third is about tying up loose ends with his family. And Jesus' response, again, is very challenging. You see, Jesus understood his audience of that time, of which a lot would have been farmers like Ron. And they understand, don't you, Ron, that when you're behind a plough, you need to plough straight furrows. Because if you're looking over here, all you're going to get is wiggly wines. And that's not a fit field for any purpose. It's not going to grow anything in that kind of field. So Jesus is saying here, don't let anything distract you. Fix your eyes straight ahead. If I've told you to go and do something, then go and do it. Because if you follow me, you're going to have to stop pleasing man and learn to please your heavenly Father. It's about paying the cost, the price. And so here we form the picture of this band of disciples. They're close to Jesus and they're sharing this costly itinerance and moving about life. And the group is actually forming an identity in Jesus in their discipleship. And so what we can find is In our Christian discipleship journey, it's a combination of invitation, the welcome and the challenge, just like the first disciples encountered. You see, Jesus' expectations were, alongside me, you're going to change, and you're going to look like me. This is what he expects with us over time. But it's in relationship and partnership with him. He didn't expect them to do it all on their own. Jesus is the one that gives them everything they need to change, all that they need to be like him. But he does expect you to change. He wants to fully train you and me, and he's chosen And he's appointed us so that we can go and bear fruit. And he wants you at the front of the crowd. And this is what we're really aiming at with our relationship with him and also our relationship with each other as we encourage each other to be more like Christ. But what can happen if our welcome's good but our challenge is low? Oh, everybody is so caring and so nice so thoughtful oh and they're so lovely but nothing's really changing no one's looking like Jesus you might have heard the gospel you might have thought oh that sounds really nice Mm, I'll have bits of that but you never move on from that place of expecting change to become like Jesus Or maybe some people are afraid to go deeper. They feel that they're not good enough. And it's these people who can be at the back of the crowd. They've heard the message of Jesus, but they're not actually following him to become like him. You know, we need to be careful when we disciple each other because we could end up with crowd-pleasing people, and that's not really what we want or what we're aiming for. And sometimes... We can be a little afraid to bring challenge to each other's lives, can't we? That's the hard bit for all of us when we're trying to do discipleship. It's asking the hard questions or being brave to point out the truth if you hear the lie of the enemy. And then sometimes people get stuck in the middle of the crowd. It could be that they've experienced a lot of challenge in their Christian journey, but not much welcome. And this isn't great, because what happens here is you can end up being quite religious, and people can be quite religious in their thinking and their service. You know, you need to sort this out. You need to do better than that. You need to be doing this. And so people can have a distorted view of what discipleship And relationship really means you see without the encouragement of hey it's okay if you get things wrong without the encouragement of hey this is my vulnerable life without the encouragement of yeah I get where you're coming from then too quickly we can fall into religious thinking where we have high invitation high challenge sorry but no encouragement, no invitation. And then we have those who are on the sidelines of the crowd. And maybe these haven't really had a great welcome at church and their challenge is zero. And they sort of know Jesus, but they haven't had the invitation in yet. So they haven't really understood that Christ really loves them and they can walk with him in life. And they haven't really understood that actually it is going to require change. They may be afraid to step out in faith, or they can be holding back. And so these people are on the edges. They're on the sidelines of church. And they maybe need picking up a little bit, drawing them in a little bit more, inviting them in. And as people and others get to know them over time, you get that privilege of saying, hey, Jesus has got more for you than this. just want to now move into a time of response. Um, I wonder if for today you've understood that being a Christian involves both wonderful blessings in communion with Christ, amazing fellowship and friendship throughout all our lives, but actually incredible challenge as he calls us to lay down things and follow him. I wonder if you've, put those two things together. And so I just want to work out if we are doing that or not. Uh, Let us try to understand Jesus' discipleship style, this high invitation, high challenge. And let's just have a go at measuring up against it to see where we're at with Jesus, but also where we're at with each other. And so my challenge for you today is to see where you are in the crowd And consider if you're willing to position your life in a place to be in a different place in the way of God. It's up to us to understand where we choose to stand, how close to the action of the things of God we want to be. (laughs) And sometimes we complain about where we are in the crowd. But are we willing to actually spiritually move into a different position? And so, what I'd like you to do now is just close your eyes for a minute. If you're making notes, you can pick this up in the podcast afterwards. And I want you to imagine yourself in a crowd. That crowd can be this church setting. It could be maybe at work or a group that you're in where you're surrounded by people in your life. so where are you in the crowd where do you want to be in the things of God are you at the back of the crowd the edges the middle up the front do you want to be at the front of the crowd Are you prepared to pay the cost of standing at the front of the crowd? So, do you think that you're in the middle? Someone who's standing behind others? Or think that religious customs and should do's come before relationship? It's a blocked view or a distorted view. Something between you and the action. I have to do this or God won't love me. I can't go to church meetings because I, I need to be at home studying my Bible in my God slot time. So something get in the way of you moving forward. See, God's not saying there's a certain type of people He wants at the front. He says, if you want the spiritual front row of the crowd, if you want to get up close and more involved, you're welcome. But you have to learn to pay the price, you have to be willing to do the sacrifice. You don't get there through entitlement. You don't get it through how you dress or how you act in a certain way. You get involved in the front line of duty of what God is doing by commitment and relationship. To give all you can, and all you can puts you in the action. Reading your Bible, praying for others and for situations, standing by others, inviting people into your home and into your life. We've seen that with Peter this morning. It wasn't the most eloquent, professional people that got to the front line. But they were the ones most willing to be in the front line of what God was doing. The ones giving the most sacrifice. The ones willing to pay the price. Or are you on the sidelines I wonder if you've been offered the choice of come, follow me, but you haven't quite grasped what it's going to cost. I wonder if you're still waiting for God to prove himself before you give a bit more of your heart to him. I wonder if you feel like he's trying to show you something through people around you, but you're resisting the invitation to go a bit deeper. Maybe you don't want your life challenged. It's hard, isn't it? But can you remember Peter's response as he pulled up the boats on the shore? He left everything and followed Jesus. His invitation is extended to you right now. Come, follow me. Sometimes we might think God's controlling. We might even think he's unforgiving. And we can miss out that he's high invitation. He loves me. And because of that, it means he's got better things for me. You see, he doesn't take away your lifestyle choices or your freedom of choices for any other reason than to do us a lot of good. And I know that there are some who are spiritually at the back of the crowd because it's where people put you years ago. When people told you, you're not good enough, you're not educated enough, you don't qualify enough, and you've lived with that mindset, it's a lie of the enemy. God wants you front and centre. Most of us know the account of the woman who was hemorrhaging. And she crawled to the front of the crowd to get her healing. She moved her position in the crowd. Do you need some more encouragement? Are you ready to say, I've been at the back of the crowd long enough. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to be in the background anymore. Jesus was drawn to people willing to come forward in the crowd. Just like the men who lifted their friend on a mat the ceiling, so that he could get his healing from Jesus. Instead of feeling lonely, rejected, addicted, feeling no one cares, are you going to take the steps forward and get to the front of the crowd where Jesus is, Because he will respond to the shifting of our lives? Others may have said that you are not good enough. Jesus says, I see you're good enough. I will make you righteous. I am going to require much of you, but realize I know you have what it takes. I believe in you. I want you. I invite you to come in and be my disciple my love will change you i know you don't know much but i will teach you i will give you everything you need i've got a brilliant purpose and a plan for you come follow me you're not just a fisher of fish you're a fisher of men i can make you more than you are now Are you willing to be on the front line? This is an invitation for you and for me, it's our invitation. Jesus is saying, I don't care what your education was like. I don't care what upbringing you came from. I don't care how broken a home you came from. I don't care how much you feel like you've messed up. I don't care who says you can't. I say you can. I say I have forgiven you. And if I forgive you, you are forgiven. The past, just leave it behind. I'll make you new. Jesus is saying... I choose you, I want you, I love you, I desire you. And you have the choice to reject or accept that call to follow him, the King of Kings, who offers us himself. Do you need to choose a friend who is willing to challenge you? Some of you might need to say, hey, I want you to ask me questions. I want you to help me to change me. I want you to point out things. I want the challenge because I want to look like Jesus. Of course, here's the thing. We must disciple each other in love. We must be blending this beautiful combination of Jesus saying, I love you and I'm with you with, well, we can do this together. It's okay, you've messed up, but Jesus has got everything. He's got everything you need. He'll teach you. He'll show you. Come on, let's pray together. Let's ask him for what you need. Let's not forget that we need to look like Christ. And none of us are really there yet. But you know, when we do, and even before we do, Christ sends us out to look like him in the world. And starting to look more like Christ in the world is to show others and it's to give away life. And we will change Scarborough as we do that. So I'm going to leave you to ponder and think for a while now. But do remember that afterwards you can share these thoughts with your encounter discipleship group or your house church or your friends or you can Pray it through in the prayer room upstairs. Jesus says, every day, I invite you to come and spend time with me. It can be hard being a Christian. (laughs) I have to keep changing when I don't want to. (laughs) I have to be accountable to my friends and leaders about things I really don't want to talk about. I'm going to keep letting them because I want to be like Jesus and that's relationship and he won't disappoint you he will totally satisfy you and this invitation extends to you all this morning and I want you to think about responding whether this is your first time or whether it's your millionth time we've got the same choices as Peter did we've got a choice to lay down everything whatever that means to you personally it may be as simple as our attitudes maybe our pride so will you say yes to him again this morning if it's for your first time that's wonderful and please just uh, talk to somebody at the prayer banner at the back um, but whether it's your first time or not, the question I'm leaving you with this is Are we going to truly follow him or not? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.